0: Shri Rangshana Kali Temple, 22nd December is the ninth day of his stay. <coughs> there are few devotees are sitting there in Shri Lakshana's room. So one of them put this question, devotee, has God form or is he formless? Master, wait, wait, first of all, you must go to Calcutta. Then only will you know where the Maidan, the Asiatic Society, and the Bengal bank are located. If you want to go to the Brahmin quarter of Ghardha, you must first of all go to Ghardaha. Why should it not be possible to practice the discipline of formless God? But it is very difficult to follow that path. One cannot follow it without renouncing woman and gold. There must be complete renunciation, both inner and outer. You cannot succeed in this path if you have the slightest trace of worldliness. It is easy to worship God with form, but it is not as easy as all that. (coughs) So the question is, has God form or is He formless? We see that in the Gospel, on His second visit to Sri Ramakrishna, Yam was asked this question by the Master: "Do you believe in God with form or without form?" We wonder why should Sri Ramakrishna ask this question? when went to a new person at that time. The Brahma Samaj was very popular and the young people were attracted to Brahma Samaj. And Brahma Samaj followed the ideal of the formless aspect of God, with attributes of course, but formless. They looked upon forms of God's worship of um, God with form as idolatry and all these young people. They were um, attracted by the lectures and sermons of Keshe Tendresa Sen, the leader of the Brahma Samaj. So those people who are coming to Sri Ramakrishna, they were already exposed to the Brahma Samaj ideals. Many of them. That is why Sri Ramakrishna put this question to him: Do you believe in God with form or without form? <coughs> and then he, Sri Ramakrishna continued when Yam said. He believed in God without form, the formless aspect. Then Sri Ramakrishna told him, God is with form and he is formless as well. But you like formless aspect? Fine, keep that. But don't think that that is the only true idea. Because Sri Ramakrishna said again and again that God has infinite aspect. There is no end to God's different aspects, it's infinite, limitless. To imagine that God is formless and that's the only true thing is pure dogmatism. And they say it is better to be an atheist than a dogmatic. Because, and if if you're an atheist, there is chance that you can develop uh, faith But if you are dogmatics, if you hold on to your ideal, that this is the only true ideal, then there is no chance that you can improve. You will keep on holding that idea. This is the, my view is the only correct view. And one example Sri Ramakrishna gave about the the infinite aspects of God. He said, "Give the example of semelian, depending upon the background, the uh, the animal changes its color. It can sometimes can be red, sometimes can be blue, sometimes can be green, yellow, and sometimes it is completely colorless. So what is what is the color of the chameleon? What will you say? God is like that. It depending upon the person, the devotee, or the aspirant. God can be with form or without form. And again, in with form, there are so many different forms are there depending upon your particular idea, uh, interest, choice, you can think of God that with that form. <clears throat> Again about God with form and God uh, without form, Sri Ramakasana says, it's like the, imagine the infinite ocean. In some part where it is very cold, the water becomes solidified and become ice. It called form. And when The sun rises, the ice melts. Now we see with the warming of the climate, more and more ice is melting. And then they become water without any form. So he compares the Sachidananda, the infinite Brahman, as the boundless ocean. With the devotees devotion, the cooling influence of the devotion, it, that infinite ocean of Sachidananda becomes solidified into forms of God. Again, when the knowledge, the sun of knowledge rises up, that forms melt and become back to the formless aspect. <coughs> then we, come to, we have got the doubt. Image of forms of God's the worship in the in the in the temples, they are all images, Ma- images made of clay, stone or metal. That's not God. That's one of the arguments that Yam put in the beginning. Or well, we should tell people who worship those images that you should not worship the image, This you should worship clay or stone, you should worship God. And Sri Ramshana gives him a nice scolding. This is the only um, uh, uh, Job of you, Calcutta people. That's Calcutta people means educated, young people, educated people. See his meaning with Western education, giving um, um, information or guide, uh, giving knowledge to others. You think that you know everything because M was, that's I, I, at that time, M is a highly educated person. He had a master's degree, so he was highly educated in a Western way. So that's why Sri Ramkshana is. Giving him nice, nice uh, hits. This is the only um, job, hobby of you, Calcutta people. Giving knowledge to others, giving light to others, and so you have realized everything. Slowly, slowly, it, it took some time for him to realize that book knowledge is not knowledge. Going, realizing, or knowing about God is the true knowledge. Everything else is ignorance. Again, in the first, in the beginning, you can see Sri Ramakrishna asked when he heard that he is married. What sort of lay person is your wife? And he said, oh, she's all right, but she's ignorant. And straight away Sri Ramakrishna says, and you are a person of knowledge, you are a Jnani. Because according to him, (coughs) book knowledge is knowledge. And his wife was not educated, she hasn't gone to university. She may had rudimentary education, maybe gone to primary school or anything. So in those days, girl's education was not given so much of importance. So she, he's, that's why he said she's ignorant. Whereas he has got two degrees and Sri Ramachana gave him nice hit there. Oh, and you are a person of knowledge. <clears throat> and after talking about his formula of uh, image of clay image, says, even if you worship clay image, it is God who has arranged all this, because there is need. Some people can only understand that, they they can understand only uh, the worship of God with form in a particular image. So why do you criticize that? Why do you look down upon that? There is need for that, because the different people have got different interest, capacities, aptitudes. So we have to, all these different forms are to cater for the needs of different people. Just like another example he gives is, mother cooks different dishes to suit the digestion of different children. Same food everybody cannot eat. A child with a weak stomach cannot eat a, a heavy rich food. So she cooks something, Um, easily digestible. In the same way, the reality which is ultimate reality which is beyond name and form, beyond um, time, space and causation, beyond the reach of the mind and the intellect, speech, that same reality has taken the form of different gods and goddesses for the sake of people the reality they, the upanishad says avang minus gocharam is beyond the reach of mind and speech how can that reality be understood by everybody only very few people are really qualified to understand the reality for others we need god with form <coughs> and Even the worship of God with form, there are different stages, different types are there. Bhagavatam speaks of three types of worship. The beginner, the lowest one is called the beginner or pravartaka. They worship God in a particular image. With great devotion, do the worship of God in that particular image. His or her worship is confined to the image, does not um, extend to other devotees or other beings, human or other lower animals, nothing, only confined to that particular image of worship only. That's the lowest and the beginner. Then comes the middle one, the secondary. The secondary devotee is he who has love for the Lord, friendship for his devotees, kindness to ignorant people, and indifference to his antagonists. So, there's gone a, a, a step higher. He worships God in the image, but he has he has love for the God, love for God, not just love for God. He cares for other devotees. He has. Love friendship with other devotees, but there are other people who are ignorant, who are not able to worship God with form. He is not. He he is not looking down upon them, but he has kindness to them. You know, understands that they are ignorant of the uh, different worship of God, so they he they uh, <clears throat> has got kindness to them. And then those who are against him, he is indifferent, not hating but indifferent. So that shows this devotee who has reached a little higher stage, as the secondary stage, is even-minded. Then the highest devotee is he who sees the same Atman in all creatures. As an adoration of the worshipful Lord and all creatures established in God. He is the best devotee. He sees all creatures as everything that happens, all the beings are worshiping God and he is seeing all beings in God. That is, he is seeing the same supreme reality in all beings. Human, animals, everything. Everywhere he is seeing the presence of God. That devotee is the highest devotee. But we cannot reach that high stage in one go. We all, and when you see the same Atman in all beings, then you are almost reaching the stage of um, the worship of the formless aspect. But we want, We cannot reach that in, in one jump. We had to go through step by step. To reach the highest, the roof, you had to climb the steps one by one. You, you may say, no, I want, to, I don't want to climb the steps. I want to reach this uh, roof. Well, you want to reach this roof, but you had to climb the steps. Without climbing the steps, how can you reach that? A child may say, no, oh, I don't want to... Learn the alphabets and go through all these my kindergarten studies. I want to re-study, study, you know, Just like my father, I want to study. Go straight away. Going to go to the university and um, teach. That won't happen. Or I want to read the um, Shakespeare's work. I don't want to spend waste my time on learning alphabets. It's like that. If you, how silly it will be. Our saying that, oh, we want to worship the formless aspect of God. I uh, adore the formless aspect and I don't want to care for the f- f- forms of God is saying just like that. <clears throat> That's why Sri Ramakrishna says, wait when the devotee asked, has God form or is he formless? Sri Ramakrishna says, wait, wait. First of all, you must go to Calcutta Then only will you know where the Maidan, the Ashyatic Society and the Bengal Bank are located. We haven't started on a spiritual path. And straight away we want to engage in the worship of the formless aspect of God. Start on the spiritual path. Start with worship of God, with form. Go step by step. Then you can reach the highest stage, Slowly. But the thing is that we, we don't want to go through all those things. Hey, this is all the, um, for ignorant people. That's often the idea. Oh, we are all very intellectual. The path of knowledge is for us. For the worship of idols are for ignorant people. <clears throat> Just because it is the path of knowledge, people consider it as a superior because it is so difficult. Just because it is difficult, it doesn't make it, doesn't make it superior. It is difficult and you had have, have a lot of qualification to, to go along the path of knowledge. So that is superior, I'll go for that. Do we have the qualification? Just because it is difficult, it doesn't make it superior. The so thing can be considered superior if it is easy and also at the same time effective. Then we can say it is superior. For the path of knowledge to, to worship the formless aspect of knowledge. The aspirant should have four qualifications. The first one is discrimination or discernment between the real and the unreal. What is real, what is unreal? The second one is dispassion. Dispassion for things of this world and also the next world that we hope to go. People, or often people, have the idea, oh, you do good deeds in this life, then you go and enjoy heaven. Have complete dispassion for those. Then there are six virtues we have to practice. And lastly, intense desire for liberation or freedom. Only with these four qualities can an aspirant hope to go proceed on the path of knowledge. Without this, there's nothing, you cannot, nothing will happen. But we without all these things, just because it is difficult and we think because it is difficult, it is superior, we all want to follow the path of knowledge to. Worship or adore the formless aspect of God. <clears throat> then, Sri Ramakrishna is talking about this second qualification here, which is dispassion. Why should it not be possible to practice the discipline of formless God? But it is very difficult to follow that path. It's not that it's not. Impossible, but it is very difficult. One cannot follow it without renouncing woman and gold. Without complete renunciation of lust and greed, one cannot follow the path of the formless aspect of God. Renunciation is absolutely necessary. (coughs) Renunciation is the, you can what to say, is a central pillar of spiritual life. Whatever path you are following, whatever religion you are following, renunciation is absolutely necessary. Now renunciation of what? Renunciation of wealth and greed, lust and, um, and egotism. They are very important. When you say renunciation people get frightened. Renunciation really means detachment. Renunciation is not that uh, renunciation of when you say renunciation of wealth and greed, that means does it mean that you have to be poor? You have to be a beggar without anything? No, it's not that. You can't have everything, but be unattached. Don't be attached. That's why dispassion is very important. And and renunciation is actually a change in attitude. I, we ordinarily we are attached to things, attached to people. So when you practice renunciation, all you have to be doing is you change your attitude. That you are you are attached to all this time thinking they are mine. Change that attitude. Belongs to God. See, have love for everybody in and through God, seeing the presence of the Lord in them. Then. You are practicing renunciation. It's not that you have to. All the you have got wealth. How do you practice renunciation of that? Don't be attached. This wealth I have got, I am holding it as a custodian. It's not mine. It um, God has given me this to work, um, and my job is as a trustee, a custodian, to use it for God's purpose. Then you are not attached to the wealth. That is renunciation <clears throat> so renunciation is a real change in attitude to people to objects and this only with dispassion is a readiness to change our attitude give up desires and clinging to our body can we progress in spiritual life that is why um, Sri Ramakrishna says one cannot follow it without renouncing. There must be complete renunciation in in path of knowledge. When you follow the path of formless aspect of God, it's not this mental renunciation. It has to be both external and mental renunciation. Renunciation both inner and outer. Sri Ramakrishna prescribed Mental renunciation for his household dis- disi- followers, disciples. He didn't ask his household devotees to give up everything. He asked them to renounce mentally, don't be attached. Have He told his household dis- disciples, live in the world like the serv- maid servant in a rich man's house. Do everything, but know that and treat your family husband, wife, children, parents, all the relatives, as though they are your very own. As though. That means they are, not, they are not your own, but treat them as though they are your very own, but know in your heart of hearts that God alone is your own, nobody else. That, but for monastic young disciples whom Sri Ramakrishna knew will be his torchbearers, monastics, he, for them, he wanted complete renunciation, both in the inner and outer. For example, when one of the young disciples, Niranjan, he took up a job. And when Sri Ramakrishna heard that, he was so upset. And then when, after uh, joining the service, he came one day to Sri Sri Ramakrishna and he said, Sri Ramakrishna told him, when I heard that he had taken a job, I felt as though you are dead. But then Niranjan explained that he had taken up the job to look after his mother because he was the, he had to look up. There's no other per- way of income. Then Sri Ramakrishna was relieved. Then it is all right. For the sake of your mother, it's fine. But if you had taken up the job for your own sake or with the plan of getting, a, establishing a family, I would not have even looked at you because Sri Ramshan knew that Niranjan will be one of his um, selected close monastic disciples. So he was very particular that his monastic disciples will have both inner and outer renunciation. But for the householders, he in, meant always inner, inner renunciation, mental renunciation. YAM, the, the recorder of the Gospel, he, after a few, after some times, um, after coming in contact with Sri Ramakrishna, he wanted to renounce his family. He was already married, he had children, but he wanted to give up everything and become a monk. Sri Ramakrishna said, no, you, have, you, have a, you are a household, you have got a family, now it's your duty to look after the family. But it for you, it's inner renunciation. Be, do everything for your family but keep your mind on God alone. <clears throat> <clears throat> Just as Sri Krishna says, this following the path of the formless aspect is very difficult. Bhagavad Gita also same, says, in the Gita, Sri Krishna says the same thing. In the 12th chapter, he says, Arjuna asked, which is where do those who follow the path of, then the formless aspect of God or path of knowledge and those who worship God with form, do they uh, reach different stages or which is greater? Shikshna says, both of them reach ultimately merely the same supreme reality. They both the, go- the goal is the same, but the path of knowledge, the formless aspect is more difficult. Klesyotika Avyakta Sakta jetasam. The difficulties facing those devoted to the impersonal Absolute are far greater. The difficulties facing those following the impersonal Absolute is greater. That means there are difficulties for those who follow the path of the personal aspect, but for those who follow the impersonal, it's greater. Both are no path. Spiritual path is not easy. Whatever path you follow, it's difficult, hard job, hard work. As the Upanishad says, it's like walking on day sharp edge of a razor. It's very difficult, very dangerous. But those who follow the path of the impersonal, it's more difficult. <laughs> What's the reason for? The way of an unclear ideal is difficult for an embodied being to understand or follow. The absolute reality we say it's formless, attributeless, nameless. So how what without, without, it's something without a name or form or attribute, how can you understand? we we, we need some distinguishing character to understand a thing. Without any of this distinguishing character, how can you understand? That's why it's very difficult for an embodied being. What do you mean by embodied being? Everybody has got a body. We are all attached to, we are all embodied beings. That means it's impossible. Embodied here, when Shri Krishna says, one has got strong body consciousness. There are very few people who, who are not attached to the body who don't have strong body consciousness. We have very strong body consciousness. Anything, a little ache or pain, a pinprick, a muscular sitting, we are fully conscious. Our meditation goes off. <laughs> For such people, Thinking about the absolute impersonal aspect is very very difficult. And another thing is, when you are meditating on the impersonal, formless aspect, you don't get any help from anybody. Whereas if you are following the form, God with form, we can pray for help. We have uh, an impersonal entity. How can you pray? You cannot pray to an absolute entity. In um, mathematics and um, science we say uh, we don't know what it is, so we give a name X or Y. You cannot pray to an X or Y, you can pray to a being, something which we know of. An impersonal entity, what is be, how can you pray? We can't get, get any, any help from the impersonal entity. So they have to stand on their own strength. They have to have strong willpower, they have to stand on their own feet. they cannot get any help. Whereas when you the, those who follow the path of God with form, of course they can help get, can help get help from that particular aspect of particular form of God that they are worshiping they can get a helping hand. <clears throat> then Sri Ramakrishna continues. One should not discuss the discipline of the impersonal God or the path of knowledge with a Bhakta. Through great effort, perhaps he is just cultivating a little devotion. You will endure it if you explain away everything as a mere dream. So there are people who follow the impersonal aspect, the formless aspect of God, and there are people who follow the path of devotion or God with form. (coughs) And Sri says, you should not discuss the discipline or the impersonal God or the path of knowledge with a Bhakta. A person who is following um, the path of uh, devotion or who is worshiping God with form, adoring God with form. Because in the impersonal aspect, you say, God is a supreme reality, so um, Brahman is only a reality. Everything else is unreal. The world is unreal. So when you say world is unreal, your worship is unreal, your praying is unreal, then how will they uh, stand? That's why Sri Ramakrishna says here. Through great effort, perhaps he is just cultivating a little devotion. You will enjoy it if you explain every, everything as a mere dream. The world is a dream. So your prayer is a dream, your supplication is a dream, your worship is a dream. Then what will where will this person stand? There's nothing to hold on to. With great effort, hearing um, um, some advice, or in company with an association with some holy person, start a little bit of devotion and then you say, hey, this is all dream. Then the person's that bit of devotion is gone. That's like just a, a, a sprout coming from the seed and you're just pulling it out. So with people with, with devotees should not discuss the impersonal aspect of God. That's for different people. You can see in Sri Ramakrishna's life, in in the gospel, mainly Sri Ramakrishna speaks about devotion. Very rarely he speaks about um, absolute, impersonal, formless aspect of God. Now and then he sees like this because the people there are followers of Brahma Samaj comes, then he (coughs) discusses with them. But there is one difference. The followers of Brahma Samaj they believe in God without form, but with attributes. Their uh, Brahman is with attributes. They also they have, they have prayed, they sing devotional songs. So it's not attributeless. Uh, but so Nirguna Brahman, they, they only f- don't believe in God with form, but their God is with attributes. So, with the devotees in the, um, in the Gospel, always, all through, Sri Ramakrishna is insisting on more of the devotional path. He always says the path of bhakti is easy. See, we just read here it is easy to worship God with form. But don't think it is very easy, it's not that easy at all. You have to have real devotion, to real Bhakta. Like in, in the Sri Krishna says, what is the qualities of real Bhakta? Unattached by or undisturbed by um, success or failure, even-minded in heat and cold, pleasure and pain, to um, friend and foe. It's not an easy path. to to get that stage, only then you can say you are a devotee and complete dependent person on God. Whatever happens, have the conviction that God has done that for my good. Then we can say you are a true devotee. Otherwise we are all on, we can can only say we are just have put the first step on the path. That's all. You will endure it if you, uh, perhaps with great effort, he is just cultivating a little devotion. You will endure it if you explain away everything as a mere dream. We can see in the uh, case of the two disciples of Sri Ramakrishna, Narendra and Rakhal. Both of them came almost the same time to Sri Ramakrishna. Both were in the same um class, they were friends close by, were neighbors, they went to the same gym, but completely different temperament. Narendra was of the reasoning-questioning type, whereas Rakhal was of devotional type. At the same time, both were the members of the Brahma Samaj. And when Rakhal came first to Sri Ramkshana, Narendra came a few months later. One day Narendra saw that Rakhal has gone to the Kali temple and bowing down before the image of Mother Kali. And he took Rakhal to task. You have signed the uh, pledges of um, the rules of Brahma Samaj. And Brahma Samaj does not accept God with form. So how did you go to the temple, to the Kali temple? Rakhal could not answer could not give any reply. So Shri Ramakrishna noticed that from then on, Rakhal was avoiding Narendra. When both of them were there, Rakhal was trying to avoid Narendra. Then Sri Ramakrishna told Narendra, don't tell him that. He has, your path is different. His path is different. He has got devotional path. So don't, he's now almost afraid, afraid of you to deal with you. So don't, let him follow his path. Each one has got their own path. Then Sri Ramakrishna speaks about those who follow the path of devotion, God, how they worship God with form. One who worships God without form, perhaps sees at first the deity with 10 arms, then deity with four arms, then the baby Krishna with two arms at last, he sees the indivisible light and merges in it. See, to go to reach the formless aspect, go step by step. In the beginning, we haven't re- we, our mind hasn't become pure, we haven't evolved so much. So we see the great power of God. What we have in our mind, we see project out, and we, as they say, God, we create our own form in form of God in the beginning we create a lot of importance to external or show so we have we imagine God with 10 arms a lot of great power is there then that's why he says at first he sees the deity with 10 arms then the ten of as they progress the outer show is becoming less than the deity has got four arms still the the as the aspirant progress further all the external glory the power of the God is removed or thrown away and God is seen as a um, loving very dear one. No no, external, the God's power is not shown there. Then the baby Krishna with two arms. Baby Krishna, child Krishna, there's no power or greatness there. We just love the baby. And only two arms. And then as the aspirant goes still further, he sees the indivisible light and merges in it. There's no more forms. All the forms are have disappeared. And the mind merges in the Indivisible light, there is no form, there is no name, no qualities. It is said that sages like Dattatreya and Jatabharata did not return to the relative plane after having the vision of Brahman. (coughs) According to some people, Sugadeva tasted only a drop of that ocean of Brahman consciousness. He saw and heard the rumbling of the waves of that ocean. But he did not dive into it. The sages like Dattatreya and Jatabharada did not return to the relative plane after having Vishnu Brahman. They got merged into, that, into, that, uh, into Brahman, means they could not perform any action afterwards. Those who have realized Brahman, if they do any action, it is like teaching giving knowledge. Sri says Shankaracharya ha, had kept the ego of knowledge to teach the people. But these people Jatadarya sages like that, they didn't do the teaching. They just got immersed in Brahman and remained in that state. Whereas Sugadeva, the sage Sugadeva, Sugadeva is the one who taught Bhagavatam to Parikshit. The story is King Parikshit have was given a curse that he will die within seven days by a snake bite because he put a dead snake around the neck of a sage who was meditating. So he decided only seven days are there, let me spend the time thinking of God. And at that time, sage Sukadeva, who is a realized soul, he came there to teach, to give that help, uh, sage, king Parikshit. And he expounded the glory of the Lord. For seven days, continuously, Parikshit was immersed in the knowledge of all, so, thought, thought of God, talking about God all the time. So Shukadeva had a purpose in life. He was to teach Parikshit Bhagavatam. <coughs> so Sri Ramakrishna says, according to some people, Shukadeva tasted only a drop of the ocean of Brahman consciousness. If he got, had immersed in that, he had merged in that, he would not be able to teach. So he had a taste. He heard and saw the rumbling or the waves of the ocean, but did not dive into it. If he had dived into it, then he would be immersed in it, merged in it. He will not be able to teach. A brahmachari said to me, One who goes beyond Kedah cannot keep his body alive. Kedar is high up in the Himalayas. It's very cold and then beyond Kedar is still very cold. So they say, if you go past Kedar, in that cold weather, you can't keep, remain alive. Likewise, a man cannot preserve his body after attaining brahmajnana The body drops off in 21 days. After having the knowledge of Brahman, ordinary person cannot keep up the body, the body will fall off in 21 days, he will die within 21 days. There are exceptions, incarnations, those who are who have taken a human form for the welfare of the humanity, for the for uh, to teach the mankind the world teachers, incarnations, Isra Kodis, they even after attaining knowledge of Brahman, they keep up the body. Sri Ramakrishna, Swami Vivekananda, they had Nervikalpa Samadhi emerged in Brahman, but didn't remain in that stage. Narendra, after he had the first experience of Nervikalpa Samadhi, he told Sri Ramakrishna, I would like to remain immersed in that stage. Sri Ramakrishna said, no, you have got work to do. So he says, I'll... You have got this experience now. I lock up that experience and keep the key with me. When you have finished your all the mother's work, then this key will be on the block the box will be open and you will have that experience again. Till then it will be kept locked. Only few Isidakotis or incarnations, great teachers, world teachers, they can come down from the high state of Brahman consciousness and still work in the world for the welfare of humanity. As Shri Krishna says, Loka Sangraham for the welfare of humanity, not for their personal purpose, selfish interest, for welfare of humanity, they keep up the body. Other people, ordinary realized soul Brahman having realization of Brahman, the body will fall off in 21 days. I'll, uh, one incident I'll tell you in that (coughs) the Swami who was in Boston, Swami Sarvagadananda, in his young days of um, monastic life, he was in Kankhal in the Himalayas. In Kankhal there is a big hospital, actually Swami Vivekananda asked one of his um, disciple Swami Kalyana Ananda, to, to go and start a hospital there to look after the sick monks. Hishigesh, Haridwar, they are the place where people the monks go and stay there do spiritual practices and then when they get sick, they fall sick there is nobody to look after. So Swami Vivekananda asked his disciple Swami Kalyana Ananda, to start a hospital and look after them. And this young novice he when he wanted to join he was asked to go and join and kankhalaashra by his guru swami akhandananda so this this novice went there and he as a brahmachari he stayed there for quite a few years when he was um, at that time at um, the hospital Some a person, a monk was brought by his disciples. Suddenly, one day he stopped eating, he stopped responding, he not talking, no response, whatever they say. The disciples, he's not responding. Whether what happened to him, they have no idea. So they brought him to the hospital and the doctors checked, everything's fine. Don't know what happened to him. But he is not eating, he is not drinking, he is not responding to any of these things. Suddenly, this young Swami Sarvagatananda thought, oh, maybe he's a Naura Brahman. So, and Sri Ramakrishna says Naura Brahman leaves um, his body falls off in 21 days. Let us try. And he told the other monks in the center, oh, maybe he a Naura Brahman, perhaps we'll see whether. He dies within 21 days, his body falls off, as Sri Ramakrishna says. Every day he, at night, before um, he went to bed, he used to go to, the, to go to every bed and see the patients there, means all the monks, patients, and sit near this monk also for a short time, holding his hand. No, no response at all. And when his disciples came in the daytime, then also there is no response. It went on and like this. The last day, on the twenty-first day, this um, Swami Sarvaganananda was very excited. Today is twenty-first day. What happened today? Let wait and see. That day also the, his disciples, this monks, disciples came. Now he didn't no response to him them that day. But when he came, Swami Sarvaganananda came, and as usual held his hand. He could feel pressure on his hand, the, the monk responded. Then next morning when he came, he's gone, dead. So he proved what Sri said is true, 21 days the body falls off. Why Sri Ramakrishna says 21 days, the momentum of the past, see an example is a, a car going on fast, one of the wheels falls off. But it doesn't remain suddenly on the ground, it still runs for a short distance and then falls off. If one wheel which came loose doesn't fall immediately and stop there, it runs a little more distance and then falls down. Like that the body, after knowledge of Brahman, that momentum keeps the body for a few more days, 21 days, and then the body falls off, the soul leaves. Likewise, a man cannot preserve his body after attaining Brahmajnana. The body drops off in 21 days. So we'll continue the next.